0: That
1: centers in on the mental as well as the physical side of sports and coaching. TK Griffith and Scott Matthew Callahan are your hosts, and between them, they bring over 50 years of coaching experience to the table with success in both boys' and girls' athletics. Their expertise
2: comes from the locker room, the classroom, and their living room now the teacher coach with TK and Scott
0: welcome everybody to the teacher coach podcast here at studio 496 in southern summit county right on the Stark county border we're in a basketball hotbed down here in green ohio mark kinsley has the green program going pretty strong on the boys side and alicia manning's turning around the girls side as well this is the Teacher Coach podcast with TK Griffith and Scott Callahan. This is our 31st episode, ladies and gentlemen. So we have a lot of content out there. We hope you will check us out soon. If you're on a walk on a treadmill or driving to work, check out the Teacher Coach podcast. And today it is my pleasure to speak with a coach who is well heralded, well respected. Um, kind of has a, a, a interesting start to his career because like me, he was a head coach at age 22, but he did a lot better job with it than I did. And this na- this young man, uh, I'm going to say young man because we're old, this young man is Tyler Bates out of Loudonville High School in the uh, outside of Worcester. For those of you from the greater Akron area, he's going to tell us exactly where that is. Tyler, welcome to the Teacher Coach Podcast.
3: Hey, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. And the gray hairs on my head would say that I'm not much of a young man anymore. But you know that comes with the territory.
0: Absolutely. So Tyler, uh, this is the teacher coach podcast because we believe in the philosophy of the teacher coach, the guy who's in the classroom during the day, then goes to the gym, the guy or girl, uh, it doesn't matter what gender they are, goes to the field, the classroom, whatever they might coach and they impact lives beyond the classroom. However, sometimes they're they're a local businessman. maybe they're not a teacher, but yet they still bring that that, that, uh, philosophy of wanting to impact lives and become a teacher through their sport. How does that apply to your life?
3: Yeah, so I'm gonna be entering my eighth year at Loudonville High School, and I've taught geometry all eight years. So I've got a full course load during the day there at Loudonville in the geometry classroom, working with a lot of sophomores primarily, but also, you know, your gifted freshmen, your gifted eighth graders, and maybe a junior or two who need to recover some credits, Um, you know. It's nice because I have my uh, planning period the last period of the day, so (laughs) that gives me a chance to get ready for practice. I'm not sure after seven years of doing that, what I would do if I didn't have that last period open for Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, with that, with that potential there uh, to get ready for practice, it, it's been nice being a teacher coach. Um, yeah. and, I, and I really enjoy teaching geometry.
0: So. That, Tyler, you may be our first math teacher we've had on there, although I know there's a lot of great basketball coaches who are math teachers. Coach Close comes to mind from Stowe, Ohio. Um, but, I mean, that, that's a rigorous day. Um, I mean, you can't sit back. Uh, anybody who has the old school views of of, of teachers and coaches from uh, 1950, where they were kicking back with their feet up, reading the newspaper, and uh, then they, they you know they, they handed out worksheets, folks. You know, those days are over. Um, because if you don't deliver in the classroom some high quality content, you're just not going to keep your job. I mean, how do you grade your papers and all that stuff?
3: Yeah. So. We do a lot of our homework assignments based off of completion. Part of that being I don't expect a kid yeah. on the yeah. basketball court or in the classroom to get something the first time right. that I tell them. I expect them to try their hardest the first time. So yeah. as far as our homework assignments in geometry, we have about three a week. Yeah. Um, if they get it done – Mm -hmm. completely you know if they're missing some problems they don't get their credit but if they get it done completely and try their best they get full credit for me on their homework assignments right and then we'll put questions on the board and go over them and and kind of fix some of those mistakes hoping that by the end of the week when we have a summative assessment yeah that they're ready to go and we grade that one a little bit more closely
1: Tyler, in the heart of the basketball season, how do you manage your time between teaching and coaching? Like when are you doing your planning for your classroom? Uh, When are you grading those papers? And uh, when are you prepping for class?
3: So with a a majority of our assignments being completion-based, basically what is not completion-based would be our quizzes and tests and our projects for geometry. I try to do those as much as possible on Sundays if we have to grade those. And then I basically spend Monday through Saturday um, nights on the road scouting or at practice. So Sunday's a big prep day for class. And what I try to do is split up my units into weekly units for geometry so that I can prepare a whole unit for the next week and get everything ready on Sunday for the week so that when we head in Monday, we've got all of our materials ready for the week. We've got all of our notes, our example problem. And we can kind of dive into that. I would yeah. also probably say right now, being 29, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Okay. I do have a girlfriend. She's very <laughs> understanding. But I probably right now spend a little more time on the road and in the gym than most other coaches. I know yeah. that may not be able to last forever once I get a family. Yeah. But um, I probably have more time right now than other coaches yeah. in the
1: area, I would say. So that's, that's been beneficial for me. Tyler, whenever TK and I talk to um, very effective classroom teachers, I always like to ask, um, how do you start class on a daily basis, and how do you end your class? Is there something that you consistently do that you've found to be effective?
3: Yeah, I struggle without having a plan. It's whatever whatever area of my life you're talking about. If I don't have a plan, if I don't know what's coming – I struggle with that a little bit. So literally my classroom, it's pretty orderly. Um, the kids come in, they can do whatever they want until the bell. We have three, minute, three minutes between classes at Loudonville. We have four buildings at Loudonville; It's like a college campus. So the kids need to go outside from building to building to get to their classes. They have three minutes to come in. As soon as they get in the classroom though, they're supposed to get out their homework assignments and put them on their desks. And then when the bell rings, I take attendance right after the bell. We go through it every day. Once I'm done with attendance, I walk around the room, check everyone's assignments. Is it done or not? And then after I'm done checking the assignments, I go up to the board and we go over questions right away from the assignment that they had last night. And that's a a daily routine for the first 20 to 25 minutes of our geometry class, which is about 50 minutes in length. But those first 20 to 25 minutes are pretty regimented. And, you know, once the kids get used to it, I think that it's uh, useful for them because they know what to expect. And and we're not wasting time. Our kids also in my classroom have to turn in their cell phones when they walk in. (laughs) Um, They have their own little spot for their cell phones. They all get a number and they put it in there. So that's just part of the routine as well. That's part of the routine. So,
0: Tyler, you guys have four academic buildings and one gym in the district. Can you tell me about that?
3: Yeah, so our gym, the cage, um, for girls basketball has been one of the best home court advantages in in Northeast Ohio the past five years that that a coach or player could ever ask for. I mean, it's not uncommon for us to have capacity crowds now for our girls games at the end of the year, if if we're playing some ball, if we're taking care of business, obviously. But um, it's probably five feet short. of a regulation court i know there have been coaches at loudonville on the boys side over the years similar to a try with the pit that use that really close wall on the baseline (laughs) to press because you can't even reach back and throw it to half court your (laughs) hand will hit the wall (laughs)
4: so
3: um you know obviously having one court brings challenges we we try to get our youth in the gym Wow. During the season, we try to uh, make sure we're taking care of the junior high and they're not getting the yeah. short end of the stick. So yeah. um, to do all that with one court has been difficult. There's days that we practice outside. We've even been outside in December
2: Yeah,
3: in, in the, in the freezing cold practicing wow. on our outdoor courts. We yeah. go to Pleasant Valley Ranch, yeah. which is about 25 minutes away from our, from our uh, high school building. So okay. um, our kids here know, like, we're going to do – Whatever we can with what we have. And I love that lunch pail attitude that our kids have. It's great. They they don't feel sorry for themselves. They see the smirks on our opponents' faces when they walk in the gym, you know, without saying any names. We've seen a lot of them over the years. Like, this is it. This is your gym. We didn't even get a locker room for our girls' basketball team until this year.
0: Oh,
3: my
0: gosh. Wow. um, It makes running
3: a basketball camp (laughs) difficult. Yeah. But we also try to spin yeah. it and use it as a positive.
0: Tyler, has there been, I, I think back to my days, um, and I really admired Randy G- Montgomery growing up as a coach. And I, I kind of wanted to be like him as far as the way he built a program. And I remember when they added on to that uh, gym at Triway and, and they put a couple courts out there. Has there been any 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 uh, private citizens out in the Loudonville area? Who I mean, does anybody have a court in their? I don't want to say barn, but in their in their um, aluminum building or anything like that? Is there anything out there like that that you guys can utilize? I'm just curious because my dream has always been to have my own facility. <laughs> so maybe if somebody has one, I want to make an offer on it. But I love, I've always loved the concept of having my own facility, and I never have.
3: That 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 Pleasant Valley Ranch out in Perrysville near oh. Mansfield. John Kurtz used to be the coach at Crestview. Oh, okay. this facility. And okay. we go out there and utilize that a lot. It's a okay. full-size college hardwood floor. It's oh got locker rooms. It's Are really nice. Wow. We, actually, we actually go out there with our AAU club as well and run a retreat there where we take 100 kids there for the weekend. They stay in yeah. the cabins and we use okay. the court and get stuff done. So that, okay. that has been a blessing for yeah. us. Round Lake yeah brown lake christian academy which a lot of kids go to for summer camps they have okay. a nice floor okay our youth heads there it's not hardwood yeah but uh we okay. definitely try to try to make do with what we have and we yeah. really, we really do have three nice outdoor courts and yeah i know that doesn't happen much anymore where kids are right. going to the park to play but we yeah. do it a lot we, yeah. go, we go play outside and we have rubber right. basketballs for yeah. the outdoor courts that we use yeah.
0: that's um, a great idea Tyler um before we get before we get into your journey which is the main one of the main topics here um, I'm just curious out of curiosity Pleasant Valley Ranch does he do anything with that facility is there a camp or what's the purpose of the facility is it used
3: yeah it's it's a young it's a young Christians camp okay so in the summer they're very busy okay, um, okay. they'll have kids there all summer now and it's funny because we we were kind of hoping we could get out there whenever <laughs> yeah. we wanted this summer with the gym floor being done yeah. in yeah. Louderville, but they've yeah. got to make some money too. And yeah. camp, you know I mean? Oh,
2: yeah.
3: He's just been such a blessing to us, yeah. allowing yeah. us to go out there. And, yeah. and at the That's same cool. time, they yeah. are pretty busy in the summer with their Absolutely, youthfuls.
1: yeah. Hey, so during the heart of the basketball season, you're sharing the gym with the boys, obviously. So, like, when do you typically practice, Tyler, and for how long – Do you like to practice on a daily basis?
3: I really like that two-hour window. We get out of school at 310 here at Loudonville, so we don't start until 8 a.m. We go 8 to 310. Okay. And then our first practice slot will be 330 to 530. Our second one will be 530 to 730 for the varsity teams. Wow. Um, With us on the girls' side starting a week early – I'll go two and a half hours each year. That first week of practice to just get yeah. as much stuff put in as I can. Yeah. And then obviously when the boys come in, we wind that down um, as the year goes on. Baseball and softball when they start practice too need the gym.
0: Oh my goodness. So
3: yeah. at, during our tournament run, we'll try to cut down to one twenty or one thirty at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, to just accommodate everybody we try to bring the youth in the junior high over when the boys have an away game or the girls have an away game. Um, Tyler, where where do your freshmen,
0: do you guys have freshman teams and where do they practice?
3: My first few years we, um, we had freshman teams since probably 2015. We haven't. And I tell you coach Sebo, as far as the gym, Kelly Sebo is our boys coach. He's done it for about 25 years. Coach Sebo and I, to be able to work together and, and get that gym schedule taken care of, he's been he's been awesome. Actually, the boys and the girls now, 9 through 12, we all practice together. So, all the 9 through 12 girls practice together. Kelly's had 26 or 27 boys, 9 through 12, in our little gym, and they practice together now. Wow. And it's just – it's what we have. We have to utilize yeah. our space. So, maybe yeah, one yeah. team's doing uh, ladder drills in the hallway. Yeah maybe his freshmen are doing ladder drills in the hallway while the JV's are doing full court and the varsity's on the side doing stationary ball handling.
2: Right. But you
3: know, that's kind of the new normal for us. I also make our junior high teams practice together. Okay. Not just because of the space, but because I think it's beneficial for the seventh graders to be with the eighth graders. Right. Right. As you guys both know, it's tough to get coaches. So Maybe my eighth-grade coach can't be there for a practice. The seventh-grade coach runs practice that day. So that's kind of how we've made it work. And obviously, we'd love to have other facilities. I would never complain if if those got proposed. But um, you got to do what you can with what you have right now.
0: Right, right. Tyler, I want to get into your journey because I think that always shapes our coaching to some, to a certain extent. Um, where, where did you grow up and when did you get interested in, in basketball and who, who were some of your younger influences, maybe like K through eight until you got to the high school, you know, realm?
3: Yeah. So growing up, I grew up in Orville, Ohio with, with the Orville Red Riders when they were in the middle of their three-state championship run with Coach Smitty. Yeah. And honest to God, growing up in Orville during that time, you wanted to be an Orville basketball player. Like if you would have asked me what's your favorite event of the year, it was summer basketball camp with Smitty. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the most fun memories that I have as a kid were at Orville basketball camp with Steve Smith. <laughs> the players the players from those state teams would get up there and demonstrate the drills for us in the morning. We would work on beef and defensive slides. And it was like yeah. you were in there with rock stars. <laughs> and 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 growing up in Orville at that time I don't know how you didn't love basketball. It it, it was amazing. I tell you yeah. what, I, I remember those basketball camps to this day. They they yeah. were a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I love Smitty. Um, I have always, I've always had a uh, I guess romanticized view of Orville basketball from afar. Even though I'm only 25 miles away. Uh, in fact, when that when that Orville job came open this year, I, I always thought, man, I wish I was retired because I I would try to I would try to go out there for five years. I just there's something about Orville that to me is, is, is just special. And I know the community has changed a little bit, but man, what Smitty did out there, I just, I, I loved from afar. And then we ended up competing against them for many years as well. Uh, I don't so think that's that Orville, cool.
3: Yeah, I don't, and I don't think that Orville, the great thing about that school district is that in addition to the amazing athletic facilities that they have for a Division three school, the buy-in that they have from the community, they're not sacrificing academics there Mm -hmm. for for athletics they they support academics as well they have beautiful schools the teachers are outstanding yeah I mean growing up as a kid in Orville, couldn't ask for much else it it was it was awesome it was awesome
0: so then when Smitty um when you get to ninth grade has Smitty retired
3: Smitty retired by that time Donald Short took over and Donald had a great run there at Orville. he had some really good teams Mm -hmm. um we were in that tough Canton district a while there uh when Donald was there you know you had Henry Cobb you had Lauer at Northwest there were were some tough teams there in that district and uh we made some runs then even with Coach Short Mm -hmm. uh my freshman and sophomore year I played for Coach Short there at Orville and Mm -hmm. um he had some really good teams there as well obviously it's tough to replace Smitty and, yeah. I, and I think Coach Short probably did as good of a job as he could have at that time replacing a legend like Smitty.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So, what kind of basketball did you guys play when you were at Orville? Um, you know, what was what was Coach Short's style, and, and and what did you get out of that two years?
3: It was cool because my freshman and sophomore year there at Orville for Coach Short, we got up and down. We played mm-hmm. fast. Yeah, Uh, we utilize we utilized the fact that we played at the park in the summer. So we wanted to be physical. We wanted to play a lot of kids. That was part of our identity at that time. You know, Greg Collins was at Mansfield Senior in the Cardinal Conference running wild. Yeah, I'll never forget our sophomore year. We broke seniors win streak there in the Cardinal conference in the early days of that league. Lexington was tough. Ashland. Oh, yeah. Ashland was good. So that was a tough conference. Yeah, um, at that time, but Orville being the smallest school in the league to, to come in and compete. Yeah, just kind of developed that mindset. And it, it shaped my vision, even now as a coach years later that, you know, it's not it's not the size of your school. Yeah. You put five yeah. kids on the basketball court and, and you go right. play. Let's right. go play. Yeah, and we've taken that approach some with our scheduling. And that's something I learned from Orville back then yeah. in those Cardinal Conference days.
1: Yeah. Tyler, I don't know if you could have answered this when you were a ninth or 10th grader, but looking back on it now, how did the community accept coach short? I mean, no one could have ever replaced Smitty. He was, he was one of those iconic, most unique, uh, most successful coaches. And you know, that old adage, you don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy. You want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaced the guy. (laughs) Yep, for uh, looking sure. back on it now, um, and Donald is a fantastic human being. He's a heck of a basketball coach. He did great things in the community and for the program, but how was he accepted? Yeah, you know, with, with
3: Coach Short playing for Smitty back in the day and him being an mm-hmm. Orville guy, going off to McKinley and having success, you know, as a football and basketball assistant at McKinley, I felt like the community accepted Coach Short and his staff really well. He also surrounded himself with guys like Sly Slaughter and Nico yeah, yeah. Stenson. Uh, my dad, Jim Bates, was one of his assistants. So he, he surrounded himself with guys that were committed to the program, that wanted Orgo basketball to succeed. Um, the question is would, would it have ever been enough
2: right. for, for exactly. anybody
3: in the community? I mean, right. Right. Looking back now at Coach Short's record and the success we had those years, it's like, holy cow. <laughs> the, they were good playing against schools twice their size, three right. times right. their size from an enrollment standpoint, night in and night out. I mean, yeah. you just look at the Orville Worcester rivalry. Worcester has a lot more right. kids there than Orville. But yeah, they do. When you grow up in Orville, you don't even think twice about that.
2: Right. Oh, you, know, you right. don't
3: even think twice about that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I felt I felt like Coach Short was accepted by the community because he was a Red Rider at heart, and, and yeah. I'm sure he still is a Red Rider. Yeah. I'm just yeah. not sure any coach that, that that came right after Smitty would right. be would be uh, meeting the standards of everybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So Tyler, you you then transferred to Smithville. Um, tell us about that. Was that an opportunity to to play with some friends? Were you were you uh, was that an AAU connection? Was it a family decision? Because um, they had a heck of a team at Smithville during that run, I, I, if I remember
3: correctly. So my uh, my parents both went to Smithville, Jim and Linda. My dad was an All American really? uh, basketball player at Smithville in 1980. He was the Wayne County League MVP, Ohio, all that stuff. Um, wow. I grew up playing with. Kenny Kornowski, who ended up being an All-American at Walsh. Yeah. He's, he played pro ball overseas in the Czech Republic. He was in my class. Bo Carpenter was one of my best friends. Bo had a good run at Smithville with us. Corey Caldwell went to Cedarville and played basketball and track at Cedarville. And huh. Derek Orr ended up going and playing Division One football at Ball State. So wow. Wow. those were the kids I grew up with from Smithville. Not your average group of Wayne County kids. <laughs> right. Um, I was playing the four five at Orville. I was pretty undersized, but wow. you do whatever you can to get on the floor, you know, and yeah. there was some obviously super athletic guards, which wasn't me yeah. um, at Orville. So you do what you can to get on the floor. When I sure. went to Smithville, got to handle the ball a little more, kind of move yeah. into a point guard role. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was an amazing two years playing for coach Snowbarger there at Smithville.
0: Yeah. What are some of the nuggets that, that, that you could share about Snowbarger either in practice, um, you know, anything, it could just be off the court, on the court. Any, any nuggets about Coach Snowbarger that you can share?
3: Yeah, Coach Coach was the man. I, I just – just start by saying that. Coach was <laughs> the man. I mean, I have no surprise seeing the success that he's had now at Worcester, going yeah. to Worcester. And, you know, Coach wasn't initially accepted by the Smithville community. Okay. Um, okay. There were some internal candidates that they really wanted to hire instead okay. of Coach Snowbarger, and Coach stuck it out, and he mm-hmm. was himself. He was true to himself. He felt good coming from St. V there with Coach Joyce,
2: yeah.
3: and, and and felt like he knew Wayne County and could, and could win at Smithville, even though he didn't always have the support of the community. He never wavered, and yeah. I never really had a coach that emphasized defense mm-hmm. as much as Coach Snowbarger until I had the chance to play for him at Smithville. Like There would literally be days that we did not get the basketball out right. for the first hour of practice because we were doing closeouts and defensive yeah. slides and things like wow. that. And yeah. he never he never made things complicated for us. We ran a four yeah. out one in motion offense. We had three or four set plays. We played half court man. Yeah. That yeah. was that was about it for us. But yeah. coach believed in doing those things really well. Okay. And you know, the other thing I remember about Coach Snowbarger is that um he didn't have a million rules yeah it was treat people with respect don't be a bad teammate those were our rules and obviously you guys know a lot of things can fall into that but (laughs) um coach snowbarger from the day i met him the the summer going into my junior year there he knew everyone's name in my family from my little sister who was like eight years old my younger brother that meant a lot to me yeah you know it it made me feel like he cared he would come to our football games he would he would be interested in us yeah outside of the gym and and, and yeah. I just I'd never forget that that he yeah. did that it made my transition to Smithville uh, yeah. much more e- easier
1: yeah Tyler I've always loved watching Snowbarkers teams play because they just play so hard how like what about him his coaching style what he you know what you guys did in practice you know in the locker room before a game at halftime what what kinds of things let leads him to be able to get his teams to play with maximum effort?
3: So what one of the things Coach Snowbarger is so good at, he lets us be ourselves.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and I and I tell my girls this at Loudonville right now. I honestly cannot believe that he was able to manage that group of egos that we had at Smithville <laughs> for those years. I mean, yeah. literally you're talking borderline fistfights in open gyms because we were all so competitive. I know I was a, I was a huge baby.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> if I, if my facial expressions now, if, if, if our girls at Loudonville did what I did to coach Snowbarger back then, good golly, yeah. I, I would, I would be done coaching coach. Yeah. Let us be ourselves. Yeah. With that being said, he demanded that we played hard yeah. and it, it didn't matter if, if, if one of us, one of his all Ohio kids, um, had twenty points in the first half of the game. If we right. missed a switch on defense or yeah. if, if we were lazy rotating over to help outside the paint, he would take us out. He'd be in your yeah.
2: face. Yeah.
3: You know about it. Right. And we couldn't argue with him because we know he's a great coach. He's yeah. he's had success. And yeah. um but but we also know that he was in that battle with us. He he was in there with us. And yeah. you know, my senior year, we played six kids. Wow. Coach didn't feel comfortable with the level of work that the rest of our kids put in, so he played six. Yeah. And he said, you six are going to play hard. And, and it was different back then because you watch his teams now and they're getting up and down, playing full court, pressing. We played half court. Yeah. Um, so we, we could stretch those minutes out a little bit. Right. And, and, you know, we were playing in the Wayne County League, not the same athleticism as some sure. of the teams that Worcester sure. plays now. but um, he just demanded it from you. Yeah. If you didn't play hard, if you didn't compete, if you weren't a team-first player on the court, because we were all competitive. We yeah. all wanted to be the man. Yeah. But in the gym, you better be making plays for the team right. or you just weren't going to play. He refused yeah. to give in. You would not play.
1: Yep. Tyler, you said Coach Snowbarger let his players be themselves. So how did he deal with that kid who had negative body language – or who was pouting on the floor, or who lost his temper? And has that influenced how you deal with your players now that you're a head coach?
3: I know that he was very direct with us. If, if we were pouting or if we were jogging in a sprint, um, he would let us know. He wouldn't, he wouldn't um, try to beat around the bush with us. And in a game, he could use playing time as as that that kind of reminder for us because let's just be honest here there were a lot of games my junior and senior year that we were going to win
2: yeah
3: probably Mm -hmm. could have taken two of us starters out for the whole game and we probably still would have won yeah and coach knew that (laughs) coach knew if if he would sit us we're still going to win this game so I'm going to teach a lesson right now right and and um you know those those were tough lessons for us to learn sometimes as a kid And, and I would come home as a it's literally acting like a baby sometimes in high school. Yeah. Like, why yeah. is coach kicking on me? He's always yeah. on me and this yeah. and that. Well, yeah. it's because I wasn't taking care of business. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that he kept coaching me hard yeah. and, and wanted to help our team reach our potential, the fact that we didn't win a state championship my senior year, I feel just as bad for Coach Snowbarger as anybody because he worked his butt off and his assistant coaches – Bernie Bazanson, yeah. Jim Bates, Brett Carpenter, they worked their butt-offs for us. Yeah. So you you almost felt like because they were working so hard, we were letting them down. Yeah. And, and and uh, you know, that's just that relationship that he had with us. We knew that yeah. we were going to battle with Coach Snowbarger. We were a unit. He wanted to win just as bad as we did.
0: Yeah. Tyler, um, was your dad always an assistant? And did that ever um... – Sometimes in my program, I've only had it once or twice where I've had a, a father help out for a year or two. Sometimes it becomes troublesome. Um, yeah. How did your dad manage that, and how did Coach Snowbarger or Coach Short manage that, and how did how was that relationship? Was it ever tenuous?
3: So at Orville, my dad um, really put a lot of work in with the youth program. Yeah. And he – when Coach Smitty left and Coach Short was looking to put a staff together, he hired yeah. my dad as his freshman coach. Okay and um, my dad knew all the kids so that was a pretty natural fit i actually at oroville never played for my dad i didn't play freshman ball oh i see so he was on the staff but i didn't directly play for him so we didn't have much of a problem there
2: yeah
3: um at smithville you know his biggest thing was he really wanted smithville to be good i mean this was a guy that he was probably smithville's best basketball player uh, up to that point and he uh as soon as we moved over there, he painted the gym. <laughs> and the Berkey's a beautiful gym. He's like, these yeah. walls need some paint. He painted yeah. the gym. Wow. He did a fundraiser to buy us new uniforms. Yeah. He, you know, just so many things like that. Right. Because he cared so much about the program. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can honestly say, and and he never came home and told me, like, not to listen to Coach Snow or that Coach Snow yeah. was wrong about that. He, yeah. He had his back. And, yeah. Uh, yeah he never let us take the easy way out with that so so i I knew that i knew i knew what our expectations were we all had the same expectations so yeah Yeah. we didn't really have a problem there were times growing up when he was coaching me in aau or at the boys and girls club where we would get into it but once again that was me being hard-headed sure and uh I wouldn't have the program I have at Loudonville now if he hasn't coached with me the past six years. He, he basically yeah. ran my junior high program for five years. Wow. To the point where I didn't yeah. have to worry about it. Yeah. And then wow. um, he coached RJVs this year. And RJV team this year was eight freshmen. So yeah. for him to for him to do yeah. that and help me, yeah. he drives yeah. to Loudonville 40 minutes a day from Oroville. He works at Smith Dairy yeah. Yeah. every day in the winter for seven years to help me. Wow. Um. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be where we are without him at Loudonville right now, that's for sure.
0: Man, I'll tell you what, to have that experience with your dad is priceless, Tyler. Let me just tell you, I, I, I'm sure you cherish that. I can tell in your voice that you cherish that. But that is, those are some unbelievable memories that you guys are creating together. Um, I want to go back to your, your last year at Smithville. How far did you guys get? Did you guys get to a Final Four? I, I can't recall. Uh, time has gone by. I know you guys got to some regionals. But just tell me about the tournament.
3: So my junior year, we went twenty-one and four. Okay. Um, we won the district at Worcester. Okay. Norwayne Norway, I'm sorry, twenty-one and three. Yeah. Norway beat us twice in the regular season. We split the Wayne County League with them. Okay. We got a rematch, a third game with them in Worcester in yeah. the district championship there, and we beat them in overtime. Wow. So we go to the Canton Regional, and. <laughs> We were probably, you know, all the know it alls on the chat sides, but, <laughs> but, but Villa Angeles St. Joe's had a Sheen Ward. They had Nate yeah. Barnes. They had two yeah. state player of the years on that team.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, and we were probably 30 or 40 point underdogs. We took them to double overtime, and wow. a, Sheen, a Sheen hit a three pointer falling out of bounds in double overtime to knock us out. And then they, they won the regional. Yeah. And then um, we brought our whole team back. Yeah. So we felt like we were a little early to the party. We come back. We had a really good off season. We come back our senior year, and it's funny I'm talking to you guys about this, but we're at Hoban for a scrimmage my senior year, and, and Derek Orr, our six six wing, jumping jack, athletic, defend anybody. I mean six six in the Wayne County League in D three. I mean uh, yeah. went and played Division one football. You just <laughs> don't have that. You right, know, right. he blows out his knee oh
2: in our God. scrimmage at
3: Hoban. Yeah, we we start the season twenty four and zero. We go twenty and zero. We roll through the districts. We wow. we beat Campbell Memorial, our first game in the regionals, pretty handily. And yeah. we played Cleveland Central Catholic with uh, Anton, Grady, Charles oh, Montgomery, yeah. those guys.
2: Oh yeah,
3: and we just we just didn't get it done. Yeah. We lost by four. Um, yeah. They go down to Columbus and win two games by thirty points each. Wow. Man, it's uh yeah. it's tough. It's tough to talk about. I wonder yeah. at times I wonder at times if I personally have a curse because <laughs> you know, I my, my sophomore year at Orville, we made it to the regional finals in football. We lost to Mooney in the mm-hmm. regional finals. Um, yeah. you know, those two games at Smithville and then At Loudonville a few years ago, we blow a 12-point lead in the second half to Chippewa, and they make a run to the Final Four. So, hopefully I can get that monkey off the back soon here. But, yeah, Yeah. senior year, it it was a great year. If we have Derek healthy, who knows? I know you have to be good and lucky. Right. Um, I'm not sure we were too lucky that year, but it was still a good year.
0: Well, you ran into some incredible programs because I've I've played all those guys, and they they just uh, have so much talent sometimes – a lot of times it comes down to talent, and then sometimes you just get upset. But I don't think those were upsets. I think that was a, a lot of good, talented teams. So that those are great runs. Even to get to a regional is pretty special. The longer I coach, the more I, I realize that. So you then go off to college. Tell about tell us about your, your college experience, Tyler.
3: So first, really quick, I'll get into that in a second, but I would be remiss. When I was at Orville in football, my freshman year, Bill McMillan was, was the state championship football coach. Oh, yeah. And then my sophomore year, I played for Doug DeVault, who just won a state title last year at Oroville. And then I go to Smithville and play football for Keith Schrock, (laughs) who's top eight in the state and wins. So literally, those three coaches on the football side, as good as it gets, impacted my life as a coach as well, just as much as the basketball coaches did. And I also had Sly Slaughter around at Oroville. Obviously, we know about the success Sly has had. So, yeah. The coaches I had in high school were amazing. Going to college at Marietta, it really wasn't any different. Um, At that time, if you would go to Fenton Court there at Marietta College, there were no men's basketball banners, believe it or not. You go there now, and the wall is covered in OAC championship banners. Um, Coach Vanderwall was there, John Vanderwall, and Mm -hmm. he kind of sold us on this vision about what the program could be. Andy yeah. Buhai, yeah. who's now the head coach at Heidelberg, was the assistant at Marietta at the time. So you okay. talk about two great coaches right there. Vanderwall's wow. been national coach of the year. Oh, yeah. um, so I go to Marietta my freshman year, and I don't play. Yeah. I'm out of yeah. shape.
2: Yeah. I didn't
3: handle business. I, yeah. I didn't do what I needed to do to play looking back. Um, after my freshman year, I stopped playing on the men's team.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Sophomore and junior year, I didn't do much. Yeah. Then senior year – Stacia Schreider got hired as the women's coach. I had Coach schreider as my tennis class. <laughs> oh, you take those one credit courses yeah. for nine weeks. I had her as my tennis yeah. class teacher. Yeah. And I just reached out to her in the summer when she got hired and said, Hey, congrats, Coach Schreider. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: I'd love to help if you ever need anything. I'm gonna be a senior. And at that time I was kind of thinking about like what's next. And yeah. it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to get into the girls' game, but yeah you know, I didn't really have the relationship at that time with the men's program after I stopped playing. So that was it, you know, on campus. And she answered me back and said, first day of classes, let's meet. So I go in and meet with her and I meet with coach Vivian, Cole Vivian, who's the coach there now. Okay. Um, another super successful coach, Great Lakes regional coach of the year a few years ago. And I go in and they kind of bring me on as a manager, set out the equipment, run the scoreboard and practice. And right. um, As that, as that fall went on, and I was showing up to every conditioning workout, I was I was helping with individual workouts, breaking down film, things like that. I kind of got transitioned into the student assistant role. Okay. And then I'm just beyond grateful for Coach Schreider, for for a head college coach to allow a kid that we really didn't know each other that well at that time. We've become very good friends since then. But yeah kind of let me participate and make me feel important and like I was part of a team which is what I wanted initially when I went to college I wanted to be part of a team you know so for for her and coach Vivian to include me yeah um man that's that's changed my life for sure I I probably wouldn't have got into the girls game without that experience that year
0: that's pretty cool Tyler What, what was her coaching style like compared to some of the guys that you had been around
3: Coach, Coach was very intense. I mean, (laughs) the same traits as like a Coach snowbarger would have. Coach Schreider would have. One of the things I remember about Coach Schreider, I've never seen somebody work a room like her. Yeah, she could go into a room with two hundred people and remember every single person's name. Yeah, It, it was incredible. And and I remember going out to recruit that year, and I'd have my Marietta hoodie on and maybe I wouldn't be shaving. And she'd say, go shave, put on some nice Marietta (laughs) clothes. We're going to represent ourselves this way. Yeah. And she was just all class. She would do, she would do whatever you, you, you needed her to do for you. If you were one of her people, right. She helped me get hired at Loudonville. I mean, just, she's just been a, a resource to me. Right. That, that I never would have imagined I would have. And then, you know, when she stepped down, her, her fiance, now husband got a job out in St. Louis coaching division two baseball. She went with him. Hmm. They hired Cole. He kind of moved up and, and Cole has become one of my best friends. Yeah. And yeah. with him still being the head coach there at Marietta, we literally talk once or twice every single day about yeah. things. I'll say, well, I'm having this issue with the kid. Yeah. No, at Loudonville, or I don't know if we should do this with the blast with AAU. What are your yeah. thoughts as a college coach? Yeah. And, and, and we just bounce ideas off of each other. So right. that, that experience with those two probably can't put a price on
1: it. Right. Tyler, what did you immediately like about the women's game? And what did you immediately realize, whoa, the women's game is a little different from the men's game in this way? The,
3: the women's game – at least I've been lucky, like, you know, being at the college level, you have kids usually that play college that want to play basketball. They take it serious. They're the best of the best. Yeah. And then at Loudonville, the kind of community that we have here and the hardworking families that we have, I've been lucky with the kids that we have, but Mm -hmm. I had coached AAU boys for eight or nine years, even starting my senior year of high school, going through my first or second year at Loudonville. And the thing I noticed was that, the girls will literally try as hard as they can a lot of the time to do what you ask them. If you have their pulse, if they know that you care about them, they'll run through a wall for you where where the boys might say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Uh, The the girls will do it if they love you and they know that you care about them and love them. And with girls, we also found out pretty quickly that outside of the gym, we need to be able to go have fun. And yeah, right. the girls need to be girls. And, and we're kind of known around here for doing as many things in the off season from a team bonding standpoint, from a community service standpoint, things outside of the gym where the girls can be girls and go have fun, where yeah. we develop those relationships and build those relationships so that when we come back in the gym, we all know we care about each other, but we're here to get some work done. And they're going to give maximum effort then. I really yeah. – I really, and and it reminds me watching a coach Callahan team because of how hard you guys always played, Mm -hmm. but we really don't have to get on our kids to play hard here too often. That's just the kind of kids they are. And that's a little different from the boys' side, I would (laughs) say, from my experience.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool, Tyler. So then you come back and and you're able to get a head coaching job at at a young age, age uh, 22, which is about the same age I was. what did you find was a little bit more difficult than you anticipated your first couple of years? And, and what did you find uh, – how, how did you choose your style of play?
3: Well, first off, Coach, how long have you been doing this now? Uh,
0: <laughs> 27 years. Next year it will be 28. Yeah. If
3: I, if I could look as good as you in 27 <laughs> years, I, I would be, uh, I will be very grateful. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs>
0: Dude, man, I got three hairs on my head, man. Trust me. I'm not looking that good, but thank you.
3: So – so Loudonville has been known for softball. They have three yeah, state great. softball championships here. They're good at volleyball. And just honestly, outside of a state, state runner-up trip in 1992, the girls' basketball program hasn't had a lot of success. Okay. And um, when we took over, they were 3-20 and the year before. I okay, think okay. 4-19 and the year before that. Um, a lot of reasons for that. It yeah. certainly wasn't the coaches. The coaches were working very hard. They yeah. were very helpful in the transition process when we took over. But I realized quickly like we're 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 pretty limited here. when yeah. we went to our first scrimmage and I was you know being at Smithville, my junior senior year, I saw Mike Miller's motion offense that Smithville runs, yeah, and I'm like, this is a great girls' basketball offense, well. Right. When you can't catch the ball or make an L cut on the wing, it's tough to run a motion offense. Right. And, and once again, it, it was nothing yeah. the girls were trying as hard as they could. It, it just right. it wasn't happening.
2: Yeah.
3: So Calipari was having some really good teams at that time and, yeah. and I was watching his guards at Kentucky. Now obviously he had he had NBA number one draft picks, but I'm yeah. like, this yeah. dribble yeah. drive offense looks really easy. Yeah. And It looks to me like if I have one or two girls that can handle the ball and I can have the ball in their hands 90% of the time. Yeah. Against some of these teams on our schedule, we can at least keep it close. Yeah. So we went from three wins that previous year to 13 wins my first year. Nice. And um, did it running the dribble drive. A lot of handoffs, a lot of back doors where we didn't have to l cut and catch a pass on the wing. Right, right. That was just kind of out of necessity. Yeah. We run yeah. a lot more motion now as our players have gotten a little bit more skilled. But that's right. kind of where we started.
0: Yeah, that's funny, Tyler, because I've coached um, girls basketball and um, my, my daughters for about 16 years, both C- CYO and AAU. So in CYO, we would often have a lot of girls who couldn't catch the ball. Um, Seriously, and and we were just working on, okay, what can we accomplish today? My, my, My thing with CYO was if we can attempt a shot towards the rim, I'm counting that as a point in my mind. Because we we just did something good. So if we can get a shot up, and our girls would know that, then we, we I'm keeping track over here. Don't look at the scoreboard. That was a, that was a win, because we had we had trouble even getting to that. Because we're talking about very very beginner level basketball. Then in AAU, I love what you just said about dribble drive. I realized that you know not everybody not everybody in girls basketball can break down their opponent. Um, but if you have one or two who can, and you can throw those shooters on the wings, you know, you can have some success in dribble drive. Can you tell me any wrinkles with dribble drive that you did besides, you know, we, we do some shallow cutting, we do some, uh, you know, maybe some faux movements to open up a double gap. Anything interesting that you guys did with dribble drive?
3: Yeah. So, you know, obviously the better teams that we played when we started playing the Hoovers, when we started playing the Highlands, the Chippewas, the Fairmonts. Yeah. They would run a kid at our point guard. They would overload yeah, yeah. The, the midline yeah. against that dribble drive if we weren't occupying the backside. So yeah. that's when we started to realize we needed to run more motion. But yeah. when we had Celeste Ryman,
2: yeah.
3: she she was a first-team All-Ohioan. Nikki Weber was a 1,400-point kid. We told our point guards, this starts with you. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the kids that have put in a lot of time. And, yeah. and we just asked the team, like, are you guys fine if the play dictates it?
2: Yeah,
3: and our point guard shoots ten times in a row. Yeah, because they're one on one and they're making a move and playing ball. And right. we've we've decided at Loudonville we are okay with that. And yeah, that's where some of our guards will have some inflated numbers and things like that. But right, as far as wrinkles go, all the plays that we run pretty much at Loudonville um, can be run from our four out one in set.
2: Yeah.
3: So. We might be dribble, drive, dribble, drive, dribble, drive, but then we L-cut quick on a wing, hit them, double screen away, get that help side defender off the midline, dump it in the post. It's one-on-one, you know, or they're helping hard on our post. Now we got a shooter. So we try to play as fast as we can getting into that four-out, one-in set. Our post needs to run to the Yeah our two non-guards – because we let any of our guards bring the ball off the court – our two non-guards need to get to the corners, and then yeah. we can run any of our stuff, yeah. whether it be that dribble drive or not. And yeah. if a team is overloading the midline to stop the dribble drive, if we're playing fast enough, we can just screen that backside yeah. and, and shoot the three or rip, yeah. skip, and steal and get a dump yeah. in into the post. So, yeah.
0: when, when you say to screen, play fast. Yeah. When you say screen the backside, Coach um, – are you going to flare the backside or are you going to down screen the backside?
3: We do a lot more down screening because yeah. what we find is that our four is trailing the play usually. And we always try to have a four there that can yeah. shoot. Yeah. Um, that girl on the baseline corner, yeah. if we're establishing the post mm-hmm. has to help hard yeah. on that yeah. midline or we're going to dump it in every time. And we tell the yeah. girls if it's one-on-one in the post, you yeah. throw it in, whether it's seeing the numbers or throwing the lob for the left. And we get a lot of lobs because yeah. that down screen on the backside, they'll chase the shooter. Yep. If they switch, we can skip it, yeah. crab walk the post over, Yeah. And, and kind of dump it in on that left side. Usually our yeah. posts run to the right side. Right. Um, but yeah. another thing that we've started to do is we'll kind of run that little rub screen where... We'll just yell "slice," and that's one of the things we did a lot at Marietta with Coach Vanderwall. The one and the four, mm-hmm. we'll just switch sides. Yeah, get that little rub screen, yeah, and that gets us a nice action on the back side to to that single person side. We can backdoor her. Yeah, we can get a handoff here, and now yeah. she's got momentum yeah. turning the corner. We got a shooter, so
0: Co- Coach, Coach, we're we're talking about a shallow red hawk, Coach Callahan.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, we, 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 hey we, we, we call that a shallow Red, red Hawk over at uh, Hoban High School. Go ahead, Coach Cal. Guys,
3: That's I've too much studied. for us. We just say
1: slice. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, I've been studying Greg Campy, who used to be the head coach at Oakland. I think he's retired now. Yeah. And uh, he was always a motion and set guy. And then he went and studied. Uh, he, one of his best friends in coaching was John Robick, who is Calipari's assistant at Memphis and Kentucky. And long story short, he got hooked up the year after Memphis lost in the national championship game. Greg Campy gets hooked up at this, like, 20-person coaching clinic at Memphis. And the whole thing is on the dribble drive. And Greg Campy changed his whole philosophy about offense. And after that point, Oakland kind of led the country for, like, six or seven years and three-point makes, three-point attempts, scoring – they all, their point guard was always at the top or leading the country in scoring. But I really love what Greg Campy talks about related to the dribble drive because he, he names everything a lot of the way, uh, you know, like with Huggins five out and Harry Peretta at Villanova, they're five out. They kind of have a numbering system. And Greg Campy has a naming system. And all everything is w- one syllable. So he has a pitch and a fist and a loop and a flex and a flare. But I'm going to send you guys. I know we're in the middle of a podcast right now, but I'm going to send you guys this video because it's so great in getting into the four out one in. And what Campy talks about is you got to make your dribble drive your own based upon your personnel. So I know that was long-winded, yeah. but Tyler, I got to get so- back yeah Yeah. go ahead coach that.
0: Kyle before you ask that question um yeah I want to give a shout out to Greg Campy because he he sent me a Manila envelope with about five DVDs that he burned actually back in the day they might have been CDs <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: uh for the computer and uh he had notes he he sent me his whole stuff his whole library of information and that's the kind of guy he is if you call him right now he'll talk to you for two hours about dribble drive so go ahead Scott
1: yeah um, Tyler, you said something about at Loudonville, your girls are invested in the idea if 10 times down in a row, if our point guard can, get, can rack the ball, can get to the rim and create a shot for herself, you guys are all right with that. And when yeah, you or, that, or if they're backing off, pull up a three. Right, and as you said that, that reminded me of Coach Smith at Orville. That always, to me, was part of his brilliance. He always had one guy who everybody on the team knew, you know, we're going to get him 20 to 25 shots because he's our best player. He's put in the most time. He has the most skill. So how do you convince your other players, especially coaching at the high school level, that we're going to allow this and be okay with it? And how are their parents going to be okay with it?
3: Well, first off, I mean, I say that all the time, and I'll I'll even take it a step further. Not only should the best players get the most shots, but you've heard the old I do have favorites poem and and speech, and I tell the girls all the time I do have favorites. The ones out in the gym right now are some of my favorites because they're here here working, and and we just kind of come out and we're honest about that. And at first it was tough when we were trying to build a program, you know, but now – some of the success that we've had has enabled us to say, look, guys, if you work hard, you can be a part of a special team, but also individually you, you, you can get your college paid for. We've had, we've had six scholarship kids in the last five years. You can, you can be an all Ohio and you can be an all league kid. And it's like, um, so when Nikki Weber averages 27 a game, when Emily Sebo averages 26 a game last year, Celeste Ryman 23 a game. Yeah that is a lot of hours put right. into the gym. And, and at times it, it's hurt us a little bit when you've got one of your kids scoring 35 or 40% of your team's points that can catch up with you. But, mm-hmm. you know, on our best teams, we have been a little more balanced. Yeah. Maybe our top kid would be at 18 a game. We'd have one at 14, one at 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like we said, we want to make good basketball plays. And yeah, I think yeah, even – as a young age here at Loudonville or whether I'm with my AAU girls with the blast, I always tell them, make the right basketball play. Yeah. You start as a parent counting shots for a kid on on your team. You're going to be miserable. It's going to be a miserable year. Yeah. We all know it. That team's probably not going to reach their potential. Don't count shots. Yeah. Let's worry about everyone on the team making the right basketball play. And maybe it's a pass eight times in a row. Celeste Ryman two years ago had 18 assists for us in a game. Yeah. Because literally they just kept helping off the five. Right. And they were hugging our shooter in the backside corner and she just kept dumping it to the post for wide open layups. So – yeah. You know, maybe that game, she had six points and 18 assists. But as far as making the right basketball plays, as long as the girls do that, that's yeah. what we reach.
0: Tyler, I've got two questions for you. Number one, uh, and you don't have to answer this right now because I'm putting you on the spot here. But, I mean, you're such a Smithville guy. I just saw that their girls' basketball job was open. Do you ever have a temptation to go back home, number one? And then number two, my second question is, with your AAU program, The Blast, do you kind of mandate to your coaches that they run some dribble drive or do you give your coaches freedom to do what they please and be creative?
3: Well, you know, as far as the Smithville thing, um, you know, when I was playing at Smithville, my goal was always to be like the boys basketball coach at Smithville and do it for 35 years. Like Mark Alberts was doing at Northwestern, Denny Strock's doing at Chippewa. That was always my goal. Brian West has been at Norway forever now. Yeah. Um, that was my goal and you know I think as you grow up and and maybe some things change um go yeah. hired me as a teacher obviously and it's yeah. funny we're yeah. on the teacher coach podcast but yeah. it would be hard for me to um coach somewhere where I'm not a teacher or yeah. what I hope someday soon an athletic director or assistant principal yeah. Yeah. um and, and be involved in that school district it's right. flattering whenever people at Smithville reach out, obviously, yeah. uh, that job's open right now and sure. you hear from some people. I still live in Smithville. Oh, okay. But, um, I really love, I really love the girls that we have at Loudonville. The parents have bought in Yeah. and, um, I'm grateful for our team here.
4: Yeah. Uh, that's
3: good. At, at Loudonville right now, as far as the blast, uh, you know, at times, in other situations, coaching AAU, there was maybe a little bit more um, telling us what to do as coaches than I would have liked as a high school coach. So, literally, Sly Slaughter coaches with us. Yeah. Um, Aaron Gilbert from James A. Garfield coaches oh, yeah. with us. Rick Geiser at Wayndale.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't need to tell these guys what to do. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, yeah. would, be, I would be pretty – yeah. There, there, there'd probably be something wrong with me if i'm yeah. telling all these coaches this is how you have to coach right this and that all that i ask our AAU coaches is when we get in the gym let's mm-hmm. really push these girls yeah Let, let's get after it so that yeah. they feel like they're getting their money's worth and yeah. um they're in the gym with other kids who want to work yeah usually the kids that we have at the blast. So. let's take advantage of this time. And as a coach, it's kind of fun when you're in the gym and every kid there is there to get work done. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, it is.
1: Tyler, can you talk a little bit about Buckeye state blast, uh, your AAU program that you started? Um, Why did you start an AAU program as a head high school coach? Yeah.
3: So I had always, um, I had coached the boys, like I said, and there was a time there where, for a few years, I was like, OK, I can't be as dedicated to my Loudonville girls as I need to be if I'm running a boys AAU team on the side. So I stepped away. Rich Harlan from Hall of Fame huddle there in Canton reached out to me about coaching uh, a huddle team. And I did that with him for two years. I'm like, this is going to be a great opportunity to meet some people Uh Because, you know, being down here at Loudonville, you're not getting to work with Hoban kids. You're not getting to work with Wadsworth kids, with Glen Oak kids. Uh, We had some Southeast girls, Talmadge, Jackson, you name it. Those are new families Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and and relationships that I got to build. Uh, A a lot of it because Rich asked me to coach with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm really grateful for those two years as those two years went on, you know, I think with a lot of the parents and with myself, it became one of those things where it was like, I'm not sure if we philosophically agree on everything. Um, So let's just go do this. And I didn't really have at that time, a lot of confidence uh, about running an AAU club. And some of my parents for some of the girls who are, who have now become some of my best friends, those parents encouraged me. And they said, we'll help you.
4: Mm-hmm. We'll
3: do this along the way. And, and that's kind of where the blast was formed. It was, it was kind of out of a schematic, mm-hmm. schematic need for what we wanted. You know, I, I definitely don't believe and you guys know both being head coaches, you don't want people around that aren't in tune with your, with your programs fit schematically philosophically that's just a recipe for disaster so yeah. we're like you know we feel this way let's go let's go do our thing here and, and right. put some teams together and it's grown right. it's grown yeah. to the level that we never expected that's for sure yeah.
0: tyler i'm I'm curious have any girls you know uh, found homes in loudonville uh and, and and moved out to your program through the blast i mean has it generated some interest in wanting to be a loudonville athlete
3: so you ask uh you ask some of the coaches from around this area and they'll say yes but, but the answer is no oh. um, i think i think well we've gotten we've gotten 3 kids that, that have come to Loudonville in the past 4 years all okay. the families have moved into the school district okay and none of the kids i had coached before with the blast okay but you know i think it's common when you look across the state and you see successful programs and yeah. you see the girls having fun and you see them going to play in college. That, right. um, right when they see the coach working hard, when they see yeah. opportunities that they have, sometimes yeah. good things happen to, to those programs. And you know, yeah. Smitty used to always tell us when I was a kid, he would always say, The harder you work, the luckier you get.
2: Yep, yeah.
3: and, and I feel like really, really keeping my foot, keeping the pedal to the floor here. Yeah. the past few years has opened up some awesome opportunities for me. That's good. And a lot of that is because of the AAU side of things. I, I've just yeah. met some great people and some awesome families.
1: Yeah, Tyler, um, a, a couple questions more about AAU. Number one, what do you like about AAU and what can't you deal with? Well, I tell you, and
3: Coach, I'm gonna, I'm going to sound grouchy right now, but there's a lot of things right now I don't like about it. And when we when we started the blast, we kind of had the tagline: "This is an anti-AAU mm-hmm. AAU program." Yeah. And the reasoning behind that was that we wanted to do what we feel like is the right thing to do for these kids and their families. I don't care what everyone else does with, yeah. with, with AAU programs. And honestly, we ruffled some feathers with with how we started things um the first thing we do each year i told you guys we go out to pleasant valley ranch and we take 100 kids out there and we have a basketball camp yeah and and when you're talking about all these high school coaches coaching these teams out there running a camp Mm -hmm. that's something right away that feel like benefits our kids usually to go to a summer camp you're gonna pay five or six hundred dollars it's just part of playing with the blast Mm-hmm. We run this camp. We think it's beneficial for the kids. Um, yep. We decided to have all of our top teams practice together with the iron sharpens iron mentality. There's a lot of coaches in the gym together, a lot of good players in there. You might have 20 Ohioans in the gym at one time practicing together at a blast practice. Wow. And that's something that, that typically wasn't done. Um, yep. We don't make, financial agreements with certain event organizers. We're going to commit to this many year tournaments. We go where we think it benefits the kids. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of our philosophy behind building a program. For instance, right now, with us not getting to play this spring, we refunded all of our players. Uh-huh. And if we are allowed to play in July, August, September, we're going to go on a tournament by tournament basis.
4: Uh-huh.
3: While, you know, most other clubs out there are trying to hold – hold kids into those contracts because they right. paid money and yeah. realistically yeah. they paid money for tournaments that never happened. Yeah. Um, so that's one way we look at it. I, I'm right. really disappointed right now in Ohio and mm-hmm. since I've been on this podcast with you guys, I've gotten about 30 texts from people. I made a tweet this morning sarcastically asking about, did I miss the memo that we're allowed to play basketball in Ohio yet? Yeah. Because my Twitter is full of AAU organizations playing open gym five on five. And and, and I must've missed something because the last (laughs) I heard, we're not allowed to play.
2: Yeah.
3: And you know, that's one thing that bugs me right now when, when we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be role models. Some of us are educators, some are leaders for these kids. Yeah. And when when financial decisions are driving the decisions that you make for these kids or other motives, I'm not sure I agree with that. And then the the last thing I would just say is um, there are still a lot of people in the AAU world who have never coached basketball and run a program who have never played basketball and run a program that are claiming to be these gurus about recruiting and, and, and telling, giving kids advice about where to go, you know, An AAU coach can certainly be a resource for for these kids as far as college decisions, but you know, the family, the high school coach, those are people that, that, that should really be making those decisions. Not an AAU coach driving a kid to a certain college program to boost their ego or something like that. Those are two things that really bug me about the AAU landscape.
1: Yeah. Tyler, if you're a high school coach, or the parent of a high school player, boys or girls, and your son or daughter might have the ability to play Division Three NAIA or maybe Division II athletics. How does that come about? Because all we hear about is the Division One, the Division I, the Division I. And Division I kids have the right DNA and, and they are one in a million type of kids. That's the reality. Um, what about the lo- – I'm not going to say lower level. What about the great level that is Division Three, NAI, or, or Division Two? What, what advice would you give the parents and high school coaches?
3: So, in Ohio, from a recruiting standpoint, I've never seen anything like how these D3 coaches grind. I mean, the, the D3 coaches in Ohio, their work ethic is Unbelievable. And um, it's not to say that the ones twos and NAIs aren't, but I cannot believe the communications that these D3 coaches have with these kids. I mean, they work so hard. I've just developed such a level of respect for the D3 coaches in Ohio and in the States around here in this region. Um, You know, everyone wants to be a division one player. I think when they start playing with the blast, we never promise a kid a scholarship let alone that they're going to be a division one player. We do have some kids right now in our program with division one offers. Yeah. We have some kids with division two and NAI offers. We have some kids that are going to go division three.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, what I tell the parents and players is you need to go where you are wanted
4: mm-hmm.
3: and you've got to make your list. You've got to make your list of things that are important to you. Maybe it is finances, Maybe it's location so my parent can come watch. It better certainly be the fact that they have the major that you want yeah, so right. that when you graduate, you can get a job. Right. But it right. better not be because I want to take a picture, sign in a piece of paper, and put it on Twitter and get 300 likes. <laughs> that's not the reason to pick a school.
2: Right.
3: Okay, so right. so that's how we approach it with the blast.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, you know, a lot of times after kids commit to Division two schools – there are a lot of division two schools who might be late to the party yeah. on a kid. They've got some money left. They want to throw it at a kid. Yeah, I tell the parents, you have to decide.
2: Right.
3: Is this division three coach that yeah. has recruited you for a year and a half? They came to six year games this year. Yeah. You have to weigh that between this division two coach that has $6,000 a year now in athletic money to give you
4: mm-hmm.
3: that hasn't called you your whole high school career. And now at the end of your senior year, they want you to come. Right. I will never steer a kid to one of those schools. I feel like that is the parent and the family's decision. Um, we've had kids, the SIBO the twins are going to Huntington, Indiana. Emma Brown from Copley is going to Mount Vernon. Selena Kuntz is going to Ursuline. And we have kids like Hannah Schill that are going to Marietta College. We have Caitlin Condoleon that's going to Westminster. Mm-hmm. So for every kid that we have that, that's going to a Division two, there probably is a Division three that balances them out. And, and mm-hmm. like Coach Callahan said, those rare Division ones that kind of need to be handled differently, I think, than the other 95% of the bunch. Yeah. But, you know, for the Division ones, we encourage them, go to some elite camps, let's get to some OGBR events, let's make sure that we are playing in the right exposure events yeah. so that those colleges can see you. And, and if you have a mid-American conference school or Horizon League school that's offered you,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and those are the schools you're talking to, you probably shouldn't be holding out for a Big Ten or SEC school. Right. And, and I have no problem being honest with the players and parents about that. Yeah. I think that's what they need to hear. That's the advice that they need if they're going to get to that right spot for college. Yeah.
0: Tyler, is, um, is, is Huddle – uh, a competitor of yours or did you guys merge? You said you would coach with them for a while at rich is Rich his name.
3: Yeah, rich, rich. Uh, they have, they have their own AAU organization. We we probably do go after some of the same kids in the Akron okay. Canton area. Um, like I said, it yeah. comes down to more of a philosophical difference there. Uh, huddles had some outstanding players, some outstanding teams. Yeah. I know that rich right now is doing a lot on the individual side Okay. He's starting to run more team events During the season Where yeah. maybe he doesn't have as many AAU teams before okay. as he has had Okay. We went from We went from 8 or 9 teams Our first year to 17 this year wow. You know, and obviously we haven't Gotten to play yet, unfortunately yeah. what,
0: what levels do you go down to? Where do you start?
3: We start at 4th grade And really okay. we're not like yeah. driving around From rec center to rec center To fill these teams It, yeah. it basically comes down to if I know a parent or a coach and they have a group, they can play under the blast name. We'll handle yeah. their uniforms, register yeah. them. Um, yeah. Where we really get hands on with finding players is, is once they're going into their freshman year.
2: Yeah.
3: And uh, that's okay. when we really want our teams to to be as competitive as possible. Obviously, that's when some okay. colleges will start knocking. Yeah. that's when yeah. these girls need to be ready to play high school basketball. And that's yeah. where we've been lucky with the blast. I feel like – through the three-on-three league that we run in the summer, through, yeah. through the individual events that we've done, I've gotten to build some relationships with some great coaches in the area, yeah. and, and they trust us. And, right. you know, I mean, Chippewa has 12 kids in our program. Yeah. Wadsworth has 10 or 12 kids in our yeah. program. Well, crap, right there, when you start yeah. with those two programs,
2: yeah.
3: you're, you're probably going to have some competitive teams, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. not to yeah. say that those kids don't play anywhere else, but yeah. I do think there is a level of trust there. Yeah. Um. That, that we're going to try to take care of their kids, and we'll never, we'll never ask them to pick yeah. AAU basketball over high right. school basketball. Right. Yeah. High school basketball is what we're working for.
0: Yeah. Tyler, if you had the, if you had to talk about three very reputable events that you feel like your teams should go to, can you tell us what are three reputable events might be that that you think girls should go to with their programs in your in your estimation?
3: Yeah, and, and so first thing I'll say, um, I don't think it's fair for anybody to look at this this situation this year. So this Correct. would more so yeah. be moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because cause everything's different this year. Sure. There's sure. a lot right now that I disagree with as far yeah. as events that are still going on outside of the state and things Absolutely. like that. But, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah, let's talk about next Tucker, year. Yeah.
3: Tucker Neal with the run for the Roses, I mean – if you love basketball, you walk into the Kentucky Convention Center in Louisville, yeah. and there's 150 courts. Right. You, you can't even see the end.
4: <laughs> the, the
3: talent there, a thousand college coaches. If your yeah. team's not going to the run for the roses uh, in a normal circumstance, when it's in Louisville and it's an exposure event, that's that's yeah. just that's a shame.
0: Yeah, my daughter, my um, oldest daughter, played at that. That was pretty fun. Yeah, that was
3: as a basketball fan. That's amazing. The second one. I've always enjoyed going to the USJN events.
0: Yeah, we did that, um, too, with my younger daughter.
3: Maybe not as many coaches there. You, you really shouldn't compare anything to the Roses when, yeah. it, when it's going. But the USJN events are organized. Yeah. Yeah. They do cool all-star teams. You get to play some teams from up and down the East Coast. We went to D.C. Mm-hmm. the past four or five years, and that's wow. a lot of fun. And then, yeah. you know, there's a, new, there's a newer organization called Certified Basketball. Mm-hmm. And they're running an event in July called The Clash mm-hmm. at the end of the summer. And he's all about keeping things affordable for families. They mm-hmm. don't make you stay in hotels mm-hmm. so they can profit off of the families. They they, they make the entry fee cheap.
4: Mm-hmm. They
3: keep admission costs down.
4: Okay.
3: And their goal is that you'll remember how they treat you there to try to get you to come back. So, yeah. you know, between those organizations, yeah. and I, I would be remiss to not mention Brian Krasnowick. Yeah. With the vars DAC and all the work that he's done. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brian, yeah. Brian's the guy, man. He, he's yeah. great on the local scene.
2: Yeah, he is. You,
3: you need to have a balance. You need yeah. to play in those local tournaments. Yeah. And, and then go get that exposure at the certified yeah. national events, as well That's, as at the OGBR events yeah. on an individual basis. Bryce McKee yeah. and Tanisha Benson do a great job of those. So
0: Yeah. I taught Tanisha at home and she was one of my students. So uh, always have loved her. Scott.
1: Tyler, there's so many things I want to ask you about basketball, and I don't want to run out of time. So I'm I'm going to go to practice here. And I just listened to a great podcast. Uh, Chris Oliver interviewed Mike Neighbors from Arkansas, and they talked a lot about practice. And one of the things Mike Neighbors talks about is live ball versus dead ball coaching. And Mike, neighbors, and, and I really agree with this idea you shouldn't teach and redirect during live ball practice. You want to teach and redirect during dead ball practice. So, with that said, what are some things you do during practice that you really, really like? So, Rex
3: Conway has been with me. This will be our eighth year together. We talked about my dad earlier. Uh, he, he's coached for 20 years. And then my brother, Alex, he was a three-sport all Ohio in at Smithville. And then he, he ran track, was an all-league kid at Walsh. That's my staff. So we've kind of gotten used to each other. And I'll tell them, like, if you're going to make a point, we don't need to stop the whole practice and, and keep 18 other kids from practicing for you to make a point. Yeah. Pull the kid to the side and make a point. Don't be yeah. a drill stopper. That's what Coach Snowbarger used to always say. We don't want drill stoppers. (laughs) Let's keep practice going. We got a lot of stuff to get done. And that doesn't mean if someone's just making mistakes that you you allow it. But pull them out of the drill and show them. Instruct them individually. We We don't need to stop everything to do so. Maybe if we're going full court or we're in a tough half court drill from a cardio standpoint and you're giving them a couple minutes before you start up again, that's the time that you can talk to your team. Yeah. So so plan things out that way. Uh one of the things I learned at Marietta from Cole Vivian, we go down and watch his first few practices every year as a staff. We stay the night, we watch practice and, and take notes. And um they start a lot of their practices off with skill work stations. Yeah. You know, your old five star basketball camps in the summer, yeah. five minutes here, go to a station. Well, yeah. as far as I look at it, I have three of the best assistant coaches that I could ask for. J.R. Wilson, who was a longtime coach at Mansfield Christian, Mansfield senior. He was on my staff last year. Mm -hmm. I would literally say, okay, four kids in a group. Mm -hmm. Let's get to one of these buckets. Each of my assistant coaches, you have eight minutes. And we'll spend the first half hour just doing skill work that way to 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 get the juices flowing they can maybe work with some kids that are on their skill level so we're pushing each other yeah and i'm letting my coaches coach i would hate to be an assistant coach and my head coach doesn't let me coach
4: yeah
3: i wouldn't want to do it so all those things there i think add up to a good start of the practice and then another thing that my dad has always been adamant about is creating competition in practice Mm -hmm. so there's times when we'll, we would like the varsity to play together yeah. and um, just, just get used to playing with each other. Let's see what some sets look like, some things yeah. like that. Work on some substitution patterns. But yeah. you'll see a lot of best on best yeah. in our practices. Yeah. I, I want Grace Vermilia to go against Sidney Snyder this year in practice, you know. Right. Um, because – our JV team is the JV team for a reason. They shouldn't right. be beating the varsity in practice. You'll get that once in yeah. a while, but sure. if we want to reach our potential, we need our best players competing against our best players in practices and in drills. So yeah.
0: we're,
1: we're really serious about that at Loudounville.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, Coach.
1: Uh, some rapid-fire things right here, Tyler. How do you handle these things? Number one, what's a timeout look like for you during a game?
3: I ask my coaches to meet me. Well you you know if we go on a good run I'll walk out I'll walk out to half court and give my team high fives let them know that I appreciate the effort they gave. Um, if it's a full timeout our starters will sit down everyone else from managers, JV kids, bench kids will get around them. I'll meet with my coaches really quickly. We'll decide what do we need to do and then I'll get in the huddle and talk to them. Um, if it's a 30, we try to get them a quick blow. Uh, one thing I always, uh, one thing I liked that I learned at the college level and I always try to do, whether it's an AAU or on the high school side, I never come out of a timeout with one, without one or two set plays drawn up, you know, no matter what, I always draw up a set play out of a timeout, no matter what. And it could be as simple as, okay, we're going to run motion here, 10 passes, dump it in the post. You know, that, that could be what we say, but I take it personally when we talk about dead ball situations as a coach, if there's a dead ball, the next time my team gets the ball in their hands, and we probably do baseline out-of-bounds plays more than any team in Ohio, I would say. I want to get eight or ten points on those mm-hmm. a night. But the next time we come out of a timeout, I want to score. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to take advantage of those opportunities.
0: Coach, are you drawing something up that the girls haven't seen before, or are you drawing something up that you already have on your sheet?
3: We have way too many plays. Are we good at all of them? <laughs> so, Probably so, not.
0: So do I. <laughs> Probably
3: not, but usually it's something that they've steeped. Okay. We okay. might not run it all the time. It might not yeah. be in our base packages, but yeah. we've won over it in practice.
0: Yeah. Do you have a sheet that you bring to the game, Coach, or do you do do you just go by memory?
3: Yeah, let me see if I got one right here. So we got our play sheet on the front. Yeah. You know, and then we've yeah. got on the back. We always put the scouting report on the back. Yeah. So all my coaches have that. Yeah. It's got our matchups on there, and then it's got all of our plays from half-court man to special situation with a second left.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way, uh, Tyler. As I got older, I realized that I was forgetting some great juicy stuff at a a clutch moment. And so uh, I also went to scout, and I saw a guy named Tim Schmatzer at uh parma normandy he had a binder and he actually wrote in the binder while the game was going on i I don't do that per se but i started keeping everything in my binder um but what's great about it tyler i'll give you this teaching point from an old guy i can hit myself on top of the head with that binder man and take out all my frustrations (laughs) i just pound that binder on top of my head it's it's kind of a soft plastic but it get you know when you need to do that you just do it twice and you're great man it puts everything back back in center. And then sometimes Tyler. I'll lose my binder on the bench and I'll where's my freaking binder. And uh, anyways, uh, Tyler, we talked about your offense, but I'm wondering, does your defense kind of um, go hand in hand with the dribble drive? In other words, sometimes people might say that that's a tempo thing. Is, is your defense built on tempo? Is your defense built on what you think you can do that year? Tell me about your favorite defensive mindset.
3: I really think that what you said is right on. I mean, if we're going to play half-court man, I'd like more of a grind-it-out style offensively. If we're playing like the, the Loudounville Redbirds have played the past few years and we're pressing for four mm-hmm. quarters, that fit right into our dribble-drive, run-and-gun offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's tough to it's tough to mesh that once yeah. in a while. I would just say this. I mean, we play everything, and I really do believe in mixing up defenses, but mm-hmm. there's nothing – and I know coaches do this and have had a lot of success. We can talk football, basketball, whatever, but it bugs me when a coach is stuck on one style of play.
2: Yeah.
3: And and, and be, because kids are different.
2: Yeah.
3: And I, and I really think that you have to adjust to the personnel that you have.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean, if I ever interview for another basketball job and they ask me, what is your team going to look like? What style of play do you have? I'm going to say, I got to see what kids I have. Yeah. I just think that if you try to fit, you know, round pegs into square holes, or vice versa, that that you're asking for trouble. And yeah. some programs mold yeah. those kids on right. the way up, starting in fourth grade, to fit a certain style. If you can yeah. do that, that is yeah. amazing. We don't yeah. have really that kind of manpower here at Loudonville to do that, so we got to yeah. kind of fit right. our personnel each year.
0: Yeah, I kind of, I, 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 uh, I agree with that. Maybe too much so, because I, I really try to put the puzzle together each year. Um, but my puzzle forms late because our football team is so good that I don't even get my tryouts done until December 9th or 8th. And then we have a game the next day. So how can I know how can I know what we're good at when I don't even know who's on the team per se. So I, I really have to kind of figure True. it out as we go. But I mean, if you're a wing T football coach and Peyton Manning's a freshman, do you stay with the wing T? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or do you start throwing it a little bit? I don't know. I think you have to shape your your, 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 your game around what you have. Like you said, your dribble drive. Our, our AAU team stole a couple wins in my day because I, I, I thought I was the first guy to run the dribble drive. Apparently, I wasn't. Um, but we had a great downhill driver, and she just got fouled a ton. So anyways, Tyler, tell me about your presses defensively. Um, any unique things that you do? Are you running, jumping like Andy Booth? Are you more of a traditional diamond, a 2-2-1? Two, two, Are you mixing it up, a 1-2-2?
3: Yeah and and to just and to just follow that up quick um you know a guy I didn't mention who's impacted my coaching career as much as anybody Justin Todd at Wadsworth the football coach there right? I mean, I I was on his staff for 2 years for you? He, he he man oh man um you know you want to talk about fitting pieces to your personnel and mm-hmm. literally maximizing your talent. Justin is as good of an example of that as anybody. So I, I want to shout him out quick because he's another coach I, I've been lucky enough to work with, but yeah. you know, I really, I really like a man to man press where we don't even have to go double. Mm-hmm. We can just, we can just turn heat, heat up the ball handler and we ask <laughs> him to turn that girl three times. Yeah. Some of our better teams that were a little more athletic, we would run and double and we'd rotate. If they mm-hmm. break it, sprint back and try to take that pass yeah. uh, under the basket for a layup. It's not as structured probably as Wadsworth's run and jump. Ours mm-hmm. is a little more helter-skelter. Mm-hmm. We'll do different things. We have a one-two-two two in that we'll go to.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, a lot of times it'll be if we hit a three,
4: yeah. we're
3: in this press. If we hit a yeah. free throw, we're in this. Dead ball, we're in this. And
4: yeah. Yeah. We'll
3: try to throw three or four different presses at them. Right. Um, I'm not as much of a zone press guy. It's yeah. just always made me nervous about losing shooters. <laughs> right. And I know that there's teams that are great at it and they don't yeah. lose shooters, but I always yeah. worry about losing shooters yeah. uh, in, in a zone press or something like that. But if we want to control tempo a little bit, we'll go to that zone press. But, but yeah. a majority of the time we're in a man-to-man. Yeah. Kind of helter-skelter. We'll we'll turn the girl around that's guarding the inbounder mm-hmm. and try to get a five-second count, yeah. playing three-on-two there defensively, and then right. um, get back to your girl, get back yeah. to the inbounder or rotate. If yeah. they throw it to the corner, trap it. But yeah. um, we'll try to get five-second calls that way off of dead ball yeah. situations with the girl yeah. guarding the inbounder, turning around.
0: Coach, you if you're know- if you're in a one two two, are you playing it like Denny Schrock? He has a couple of different varieties where sometimes the the middle is taken by the wing, but sometimes the middle is taken by the back row opposite who kind of gambles. You know what I mean? And then sometimes, of course, they run into each other, which that's what my teams do. My teams, my wing and my back row, they'll just run into each other. But um, I
3: try to. I I wish we could one time play it as good as Denny Schrock has for forty years, but yeah, we haven't gotten we haven't gotten there yet. But we'll we'll rotate middle from the back side usually. From the um, from the back. the back court, if they're in the back court, that first row middle,
0: yeah, we'll
3: take away that girl that coaches always sure. put there to try to break the sure. press and in the back row girl will come over and just play center field. Easy. Sure, sure. Where we struggle with the one-two-two two sometimes is stealing that pass ahead. Yeah. Now so those back girls have to take that pass up the sideline usually.
2: Yeah.
3: And that's where we've had times uh, when we haven't done that where we've struggled a little bit in that. Yeah. Um, that's usually what we want to do is, is come from the back side and take away the middle.
1: Yeah. A couple more defensive questions, Tyler. How do you handle ball screens? Do you do so in multiple ways, or do you just try to keep it simple and really teach one way? Um, And then the other question was, do you have rules for defensive transition? Like, do you have a halfback and a fullback? Do you have certain people who are always going to the offensive boards? So in the girls'
3: game, I've found that although teams might run a lot of pick and rolls – because of what we talked about earlier personnel kind of dictating that maybe not having the depth to run a complex offense there's not a lot of girls teams that are really good at pick and rolls right so we encourage our teams at Loudonville i would say for 90% of the time yeah to switch 1 through 5 ball screens okay. and and what we want to do is we believe that you can never have a mismatch on defense but you can be out of position yeah so We want our girl to show hard on that switch. We want the ball handler to dribble into their chest, make contact. We switched. And then we attack the roller. So when our girl that gets ball screen runs into the roller, we want them to wrap that girl up Mm -hmm. and attack that roller, make the ref call it a couple times Mm -hmm. so that they can't roll free to the hoop on a switch. And then we always front the post. If you play Loudonville, you're not going to dribble down the court. And throw the ball in the post to a girl. You're gonna to have to throw it over top. Yeah. And we should have help side there. And that, that's one through five. Yeah. So against some of the better posts that we've played over the years, we've we've had no problem switching, putting a guard on them in front and fronting. Yeah. Make them throw it over the top. And if we have good ball pressure, we should be all right. Um yeah. now I say ninety percent of the time because if we play a dynamic point guard, we'll say we're gonna trap her on every ball screen. Um if we play a girl that's super athletic, but she can't shoot, we're going to just yell under, under, under. We're going to go under, you know. So that's rare. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we do have to have those situations. If we're playing a Morgan Yoder at Highland or a Breezy Williams at Glen Oak, right? I yeah. mean, you, you got to be prepared to make those adjustments. Yeah. Uh, and then transition defensively, we run back to the paint. You, yeah. You'll hear that in our practices as much as anything. Run back to the paint and take away layups. Yeah. You don't have the same girl every time down the court. And, right. and I don't know about you guys, but that's one of our toughest things to get here. <laughs> you don't have the same kid right. every time. <laughs> right. yeah. if, if this is a transition situation, we yeah. run back, guard the hoop first, then yeah. we find the most dangerous player. Yeah. But when we do our under man drills, three on two, two on one, We tell our girl to stay under the hoop as long as possible. Make that ball handler take as many dribbles as they can Mm -hmm. before they make a shot or take a decision, allowing your teammates time to run back and hopefully steal that pass or get in the mix. So I know that's different than some teams. Some teams have a player that they want to stop that ball at half court or at the volleyball line. We say run back and guard the rim. Yeah. So.
0: I think uh coach what what what's your favorite defensive drill like are you guys doing some variety of shell like what 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 when do the girls really get after it or are you going up are you going down back down or are you scrimmaging five on five a lot in practice are you are you like playing quarters and and half four minute games you know get, give me a couple things that a ladenville practice might look like
3: we do a lot of we do a lot of toughness drills that that mm-hmm. we can keep score and we can kind of Challenge the girls mentally and physically a little bit. Um, One of them is bowling in a ring. Yeah. Bowl in a ring. And and we put a girl – we'll have the JVs at one hoop, varsity at one hoop. We tell a girl to come out. And you have to get eight stops in a row. Literally, her teammates spread out along the three-point line. Yeah. We throw the ball to one of them. You got to close out and get a stop. That's one. Okay. You got to go all around and stop every other one of your teammates. If you don't get a stop, we go back to the start. Okay. And, and start over until you get all eight stops. Um, okay. That's one thing. Just a toughness drill. Obviously, you get tired, but it's about getting individual stops. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: That might take me. A, that might take my guys three hours, Coach. It, well, <laughs> yeah, but
3: but you know, literally, you're right. We'll, we'll put 45 minutes on sure. there if, if we sure. if we think that's something important for us. Yeah. Yeah. And also, we don't tell the girls this, but they're working on one-on-one moves, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean We're getting some stuff. Yeah, going. you are. Yeah. Um.
0: Will you ever do that two on two, coach, or is that always a, is that always a toughness one on one thing?
3: We do a lot of that one on one, but we yeah. do a lot of two on two and three on three. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, another drill that we do is we just call it "No Babies Allowed," uh-huh. and um, we put best on best out there. Yeah. And it's two on two, coach shoots, and literally we play until someone scores. Yeah. So there's no offense or defense.
4: Mm-hmm. Whoever
3: grabs the rebounds, offense. Yeah. If they miss it and the other team grabs it, their defense,
4: Yeah.
3: They, we play until someone scores Right. and then we bring the next groups in and we yeah. do that for 10 minutes, you know, losers, yeah. run, whatever. But yeah. um, yeah. a lot of those kind of physicality drills with best yeah. on best is what you would see in a Loudonville practice. After we do our skill work yeah. for warm ups, that's yeah. when we we want to compete and really challenge the girls. We'll have yeah. a coach stand at half court with a ball in his hand and, three girls with their feet on the circle at half court and three girls, three feet away from them. Coach blows a whistle. We count to three. Mm-hmm. If the offense touches the ball,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you lose, you got push ups. You got to box yeah. them out for three seconds. You can't let them get to you and touch the ball. So yeah. Girls yeah. like that where maybe yeah. we're not playing five right. on five full court, but we're integrating those concepts and competing.
0: Right. Coach, how many players do you like to play in a game? Are you going deep onto your bench? We talked to Tate Moore, who's down in Columbus, and he he had a system where he pre uh game predicted his lineup i've never heard of that before i've never done well oh, I guess I've heard of it but I've never done it. Do you ever do that where you have a a predestined rotation prior to the game, and how many players might you play
3: it's where it's where uh it's where I've worried too much still as a young coach and it's one of the things I really need to get better at um we did have some pretty deep teams at Loudonville the past few years where I would play nine or 10 kids. Yeah. That wasn't the case this past season but yeah. I would plan our substitutions to the second. Wow. For for my teams and and the reason I did that was because I was so scared that yeah this girl wouldn't get to play her eight minutes right. or 10 minutes yeah. and, and they would get yeah. lost in the shuffle. So that's why we did that. And, and yeah. most of the games it worked, but you know, okay. you get in a close game, you got to stray away from it a little bit, but yeah. I really want to get away from that. I want to go with gut yeah. and feel. And um, I don't think having a plan heading into a game is bad, but to, to take it to that extent, yeah, that, that didn't work out best for us. Okay. My ideal number would be eight. Yeah. Um, if I could have my starting five and we're very big at Loudonville on, we do not always start the best five. Okay. Um, Grace Vermilia, who's a senior now for me, she was in all Ohio last year as a junior when she was a freshman, she averaged 12 a game all off the bench. Wow. Um, Emma Hinkle started for me on two twenty win teams as a sophomore and junior. We brought her off the bench as a senior cause we wanted to guard off the bench. Yeah. So we're big on not starting the five best kids. Right. Um, I'd love to bring in a, a guard off the bench who can play some big minutes, a post off the bench. When I say post, I mean a four-five yeah, sure. who could who could play some minutes, and then maybe an eighth kid. Yeah. In that eight to ten minute range.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, we're probably going to play nine this year, maybe. I'm okay. hopeful if, if we're healthy, but yeah, that's going to be tough. Right. We tried that a few years ago, and that's when some feelings started to get hurt. And I'm like, oh, guys, yeah. it's not personal. It's just literally.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: If I have two all Ohioans. Yeah. Right there, they're probably not going to come off the court much. Exactly. It's just a numbers game. So right. eight would be my perfect number, but yeah. you know how that goes.
0: <laughs> I do. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do.
3: We also we also make it a point at Loudonville, I never want the cover to be bare. Right. And I'm always going to have four or five kids that lettered the year before coming back. Yeah so that we feel like we can get after it in the spring and summer. And we've we've got some kids that hopefully have played in some big games. So we'll always have four or five kids back from from a year-to-year basis.
1: Tyler, I'm an old guy. TK (laughs) is approaching being an old guy. One of the things I appreciate about someone like you is your energy, enthusiasm, your youth. You're a very, very creative coach. All right? I'm going to bring up something. I've seen you coach in an all red suit. (laughs) All right. Now I know your school colors are red and white and black. I guess is that right? Red, white, and red,
3: white and gray. We we've incorporated some black, but yeah, red, white, and gray. Okay.
1: Here's what I'm getting at. Do you think it's important now as a high school coach to brand your program in fun ways to keep your 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 community interested? and your players engaged and joyful as they approach how long a basketball season is.
3: It's not, it's not, it it hasn't happened because of me, but, but I would say this, I think with us really working towards our Loudonville girls basketball brand here in the cage, right in the red suit. And we do game balls before every game where three or four businesses come out and get recognized. Like I do think those things have have really helped our program i'll have people that i've never met come up to me and say hey we've loved watching you at the classic in the country the past three years with the red suit you know or we love seeing that you guys work the american legion dinner every year for thanksgiving like those are things that i guess become entrenched in your program yeah we did the red suit because you know like i told you guys it was tough it was tough those first few years we, we would have 20 people at our game Yeah. And, I was always a Rick Patino fan at Louisville. I don't know if yeah. I can say that right now and get away with it, but I was—I yeah. was a huge Rick Pitino fan, and he—you know—you guys know Rick Pitino, the oh, sharp yeah. dressed,
2: yeah,
3: awesome suits that he yeah. had. And they're the Cardinals; we're the Redbirds. So right. with him wearing the red suit, I'm like, yeah. man, maybe I need to do that, and it'll get some people talking. Well,
2: right. right.
3: First, we said we're only going to do it for rivalry games, and I'll wear it once a year, but um. <laughs> It ended up being the classic in the country there for a while, and, and we decide when we're going to bust it out or not. But I do think that that's been cool. And, and, and the girls know um, if we if we got the red suit out or the Christmas sweaters that we wear <laughs> you know, those things, that it's probably a big game. And yeah. what I like is in the locker room before the game, it gives us something to laugh about, and it lets the girls take a deep breath. Right. And we can joke about something else. I, I yeah. think that's important. And then yeah. um, probably because of the red suit, and this is probably 1% of it, the other 99% being the girls, but more people I think across the state now at least know that Loudonville girls basketball exists. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. that was the goal initially. Even if right. it was just for our community, Right. it's kind of turned into a statewide thing. So.
0: Yeah, Tyler, you mentioned before the game, and we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes, but um, what have you found to be effective in a pregame talk and a post-game talk?
3: I keep it really short and sweet Pregame, We don't write anything on the board. Um, we're big in our program about knowing your assignments, so I will ask each player that's going to play in that varsity game to tell me about a specific kid on the other team. Mm-hmm. And they have to tell me what this girl's tendencies are. How are we going to play them? What are our coverages? I'll ask them if we have any questions about our stuff offensively or defensively. And then I'll tell them we need to get a sweat going. We need to have fun. I always try to end with have fun.
2: Yeah.
3: Tell them a lot of people here care about you. Yeah. And, um, let's go out and show them that, that we're going to have fun and we're going to represent ourselves to to the highest of our abilities. Um, You know, and then post-game, I always, if we can, I want to let the girls know that I'm proud of them and that I love them and I appreciate them. You know, we tell our kids we we love them at Loudonville a lot, and they know that. And, um, you know, just because we might have won by 40 against maybe a lesser opponent, and I'm being tough on you after a game because we didn't reach our potential, you still need to know I care about you. Right. Um, If we lose to a team. Whether they're better than us or we, we had a tough day, yeah. um, the world's not going to end. You have to believe in your processes
4: mm-hmm.
3: and, and move on to that next day. When I when I first got hired as a young coach, someone told me, you might only get one chance at this. Yeah. So you need to do this how you want. Right. Because if right. you don't, you're going to have a lot of regrets. At least yeah. do it how you want and yeah. give it a shot. And it yeah. might work, it might not. But hopefully right. if you work hard and treat people well, it'll work.
0: Yeah. Well, Tyler, you're certainly a teacher coach, a guy who's talking about angles and uh, Pythagorean theorems during the day with geometry class, you know, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Yes. And on the basketball floor, you know, the formulas don't always work out. But I'm just, I'm just curious, is there any part of your formula um, that would see yourself being a college basketball coach or are you pretty much invested in the high school world for, for your career?
3: I always thought the coolest guys were and girls were the ones that like they coached this 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 boy or girl and then they coached their sons and daughters and yeah. they were like institutions in their communities, you know. Yeah. And I like the idea of the facilities and, and recruiting your players at the college level. I think that would be a lot of fun. Heck, if you're really good at it, I'm not yeah. at their level, but financially right. it can it can pay yeah. off for you. Yeah. But at the same time, I just I really like being a part of a community right. as a high school coach. And, and, you know, I like what we have going here now. Like I said, I don't have, a, I don't have my own family yet yeah. um, as far as kids or anything like that. So who knows what the future holds. But, but right yeah. now right. I really like having a high school program and That's competing. Cool. Okay. And when the alumni start coming back for practices <laughs> and their families and right. their younger siblings are playing, man, that is cool. That is cool. I can't imagine doing it as long as some, some coaches that have been in a school for 20, 25, 30 years, you know, I just can't imagine. So.
0: Well, it's, it's a special opportunity because you're talking to one right here and uh, you know, it's been my life's work uh, at Archbishop Hoban and uh, I love teaching and coaching and it's just who you become and it's how you raise your family. I mean, Hoban has raised my kids as much as I've raised my kids and I'm sure if you had a family and you were at Loudonville, you would see that that's the same. And I know, I think about the Carmichael's at Triway and uh, Sean passed away, but he was a great friend from afar, from a distance. And I just really respect the way Triway kind of raised his kids the same way that he raised his kids. And and those, those are just priceless opportunities. Wadsworth has helped raise... Not only uh, Coach Kyle, but he's raised other people's kids there, and then his own kids are now there. So there's another Callahan wearing the red jersey over at Wadsworth this year and his son Solomon, just like Scooby. They used to call Coach Callahan Scooby uh, when he played at at Wadsworth. I learned that during this podcast. So, man, those are priceless opportunities. Tyler, Coach Kyle, I'm going to let you wrap up because we're getting close to two hours here.
1: Well, Tyler, I say the same thing at the end of each of these podcasts. Um, We're so blessed, TK and I, to do this because it gives us an opportunity to talk to people who we can learn from. And um, when it comes to teaching and coaching, age is just a number. Uh, We so much appreciate your time, your energy, your wisdom. And I always think about two things when I think about Tyler Bates. Number one, you make it more than a game. You know, whether it's giving back to the American Legion or building a youth program or teaching life lessons or having a retreat, you use basketball um, to make it more than a game. And that's what TK and I believe in, too, as teacher coaches. And then the other thing, when I think of Tyler Bates, is you bloom where you're planted. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, Loudonville is such a great, unique community. And you don't look at the size of your school or your gym limitations as challenges. You just look at those as opportunities to maybe overcome and to prove yourself with your kids. So whether it's Loudonville or Buckeye Blast or the 30 for 30 WBCA Final Four Summit, or the three-on-three Summer League, Tyler, just keep doing what you're doing because you are giving so much back to the game that we love. And uh, from afar, we appreciate you.
3: Man, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. I, I just, speechless, that, that means a lot to me. I know you two have done this at such a high level now. for for a long period of time. And and that, that's my goal. And, and, uh, you know, I just appreciate what you guys do. I love listening to these podcasts. So informative, so uh, helpful for coaches and teachers, just basketball fans in general. So thank you for doing these podcasts and it was a lot of fun talking to you guys today.
0: Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Tyler, I want to wrap up by just saying, I, you know, I really appreciate, um, and I, I wish I would have done this more as, as a coach, and, and I, I don't use the word enough, but when you tell your girls that you guys love them, um, and love comes in many different forms. You know, sometimes love is just by our actions. Sometimes people who say we love them a lot, you know, that doesn't mean anything. But so Sometimes we can just love them by the way we treat them. But even telling them and reminding them that, hey, guys, we support you. You know, we, we, we might not even be able to play you a lot in this game, but we love coaching you. We love what you bring to this community uh, that's so important i wish i would have done that more uh as a young coach so to be secure enough to do that as a young coach kudos to you because at the bottom of all this that, that's the, that's the most important thing but i'm going to take my uh the mohican river uh comes right by loudonville right i'm going to hop in a-
3: our kids work in the summer mohican do yep.
0: okay uh I, i'll ride in your canoe any day man I'll tell you what, seriously, I'll get in the back of that bad boy. and uh, Or actually, if you want me up front, I'll just paddle and you steer it because you, you, you've done a great job steering the Loudonville Redbirds uh, on the basketball floor. This is my day off other than my podcast, Tyler, so I might even take a drive down there. I want to see beautiful Loudonville, Ohio. And if I do, I might stop by the cage. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been Tyler Bates from Loudonville High School here at the Teacher Coach Podcast with T.K. Griffith and Scott Matthew Callahan. I hope you check out and love this episode as much as we did. I just learned a lot, folks. Thank you for listening.